Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacob with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Matthew Hine. Uh, he's uh, head of uh, operations in the North American branch or portion of the NEM Foundation, NEM. Matt, how are you doing? How's it going, Rich? Good. Thanks so much for taking the time. I've uh, always been curious about uh, NEM and the token XEM. So um, would you give listeners just a brief overview of what, uh, what's the purpose of, of NEM? So NEM is a fairly um, general purpose blockchain. There are, you know, there are, there's kind of a million applications and a million different blockchains to serve them. NEM in particular is trying to be a more generalized blockchain uh, to solve a variety of application-focused problems. So a lot of people are starting to hear about it because of the ZEM token, um, which is cool. But sort of the, the cryptocurrency part of it is just sort of one part of our general ecosystem. It's not really our, our main focus. So uh, we're hoping to get the word out about the, the kind of more application-focused features of, of the platform. Well, let's start with the, the token, and then we'll go over to the, you know, the real aspects of it. What's the purpose sure. of the token, or is it just for, um, you know, was it to raise money and for speculation, or is there some other purpose that the token serves? No, in fact, we were kind of, I mean, we, we released them fairly early on before ICOs were really a thing. So it didn't even really cross our mind. Um, we just kind of distributed to the community of people that were supporting them and started going from there. Uh, although we've got a lot of people that are doing ICOs now on the NEM platform, but the NEM token itself is actually, it's a, it's a completely functional token. So um, it exists to, to sort of, if you will, operate the machinery of the NEM blockchain uh, network. Um, so this is it. Actually, has sort of fundamental value because it has it has a, a, an application purpose on on them. Does it get consumed as you use the network? Is it like gas for the network, like in Ethereum, or how does it work? Yeah, well, I guess it depends what we mean by consumed. I mean, it's, there's a fixed supply of them. We issued like nine billion uh, ZEM tokens right at the beginning, um, and that's a fixed supply. So it still operates as a nice store of value if you want to use it that way, and a lot of people do. Um, and you know, good investment. But the uh, the tokens, you know, you would if you were going to operate on the the NEM public blockchain, and I'll talk about the private version as well. But the public blockchain, which is where Zen resides, um, if you wanted to make use of that network to you know run applications, do exchanges, whatever you do, all the fees on those transactions are paid in Zen. So you would go out, you buy Zen, and you would use those incrementally as you as you needed to conduct transactions. The Zen then in turn goes out to it's you know. It, Sort of a similar scheme for Bitcoin where, uh, or, or Ethereum, where in the end, those tokens go out to people that are operating that network machinery. Um, for them, mm. they're, they're doing mining. 
for us, we call it harvesting, which is a little bit different. We're a, we're kind of a what we call a proof of importance blockchain rather than proof of work. Um, it's, it's sort of like a modified proof of stake. It's sort of a clever mechanism. But, you know, the short story is that in the end, the Zem tokens are going out to people that are operating nodes on the Zem public blockchain that are harvesting those fees. Um, and so they're rewarded for scaling up the network as there's increased demand. Okay. How, how is it different from proof of stake? What's the subtlety in it? Yeah. So proof of importance, I mean, it starts with proof of stake where it's, you know, rather than sort of you're, you're competing with, uh, with computing horsepower, um, with proof of stake, of course, you're, you're sort of, you know, you're proving your, your value to the network by just the amount of tokens you have. Proof of importance takes it another step beyond that and says, well, you know, you shouldn't necessarily just be able to go in and, and buy your way into high weighting on the network. It, it sort of adds an additional layer onto that. Um, it's kind of like the Google PageRank algorithm, which is really clever at sort of sussing out what web pages are, are really well connected um, and figuring out, you know, which connections are fake and people trying to game the system and figure out what web pages are really important. For us, what we do is we use a similar argument to figure out which accounts are really important. And what that means is there are accounts that are doing a lot of transactions with a lot of people. Basically, they're sort of contributing to the NEM economy and they're and they're sort of vested in in that economy, and so they get a they get an elevated importance on the network. So this is, you know, it's it's kind of nice because it rewards people for doing the right thing, and on top of that, it also makes the whole network a lot more um, resistant to various forms of attack. You harvest faster or greater amounts the longer you're online and helping the network, or is it is it time based at all, or is it just activity based in a certain time period? Uh, it's essentially just based on, I mean, if you set up a node itself, you know, the, the, the wallet we have, um, we, we kind of separate things out so that the wallet, you're not necessarily downloading the whole blockchain and all that kind of stuff like Bitcoin used to be like. Um, you can have a wallet and that you can just do can transactions with that. You wouldn't do harvesting. If you want to harvest, generally, you'd set up a node that would actually be doing real work on the network. And it's basically it's just based on your importance. There is actually a little bit of time constant in there because once you put Zem tokens into your account, there's a vesting period where your your importance kind of ramps up to match your to your stake and your importance on the network. So we you know we introduce a little bit of a time factor there, which also helps in various forms of attack. Okay, well very good. What's the uh, I don't know the approximate harvesting rate? Like how does the uh, harvesting calculated? And are there different <laughs> yeah, levels of nodes? You know, is there like a a master node and a regular node and that kind of stuff? Yeah, there are two different, I mean, you know, setting up a basic node, it's really hard to predict. And this is a common question, obviously, people are like, ooh, how much money can I make if I go put a node in the network? Um, as it is right now, I mean, just to set expectations, it's not like you're going to be making millions of dollars by running a node right now. Because basically, you know, we're sort of in the early stages of the network. We're getting up and running. Um, you know, it's a very stable network and it's been operating for a few years. But we're we're just now starting to make the real dedicated push to bring traffic onto the network, get enterprise using it. And that's what's going to, you know, once we've got real commerce on the blockchain, then you're going to start seeing real harvesting fees to support all that. So, you know, I, I kind of hesitate to give you a number right now. It's not a huge number right now, but we're certainly expecting that could ramp up really quickly as, as NEM starts to be adopted more and more. Um, we do have a couple of different levels. There's a basic, you know, you can say anybody can set up a node. There's something else that we have called the super node program. Um, it's a fairly high bar for that. Basically, you have to have a fairly significant number of Zem to reach that threshold. Um, these are nodes that we're kind of relying on to provide critical core infrastructure for the network. It's sort of the the central, you know, the central support pillars of the network, and then the, your common nodes kind of hang off of that. So, you know, they get there's that we actually incentivize people that are at that level of of network support 
from the NEM Foundation's own funds or from the kind of the NEM core fund, um, they get a little bit of an extra incentive for providing that level. Okay. So what are what are the uses? You said uh, NEM has quite a bit, of, a lot of uses on its blockchain. What are some of the um, the ones that you intend, or what are the, some of the ones that are actually being used? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is an interesting question because I mean, I think one of the unique things about NEM is that it was designed for this stuff from the beginning. It was it wasn't sort of porting a different uh, blockchain code base and trying to kind of patch on an application framework of some kind. The goal of the thing from the beginning was, hey, let's think about how people really want to use blockchain and build in the tools to do that in a very sort of robust and secure and easy to develop way. So it's a, it's a pretty wide gamut. You know, I'm not going to say that NEM solves 100% of the problems out there, but I'd really like to think that we can solve 90% of them really, really well. So, you know, for example, I mean, you can do kind of, you know, standard things. You can create your own tokens on the blockchain. You can make your own cryptocurrency that'll operate in the network just like Zem does off and do whatever you want with that. You can create uh, ICO tokens. Uh, in fact, we just had an announcement yesterday from a company in Japan called Tech Bureau that we work very closely with where they announced a, an ICO platform sitting on them. So it's really nice for that. Then you got start getting into a little bit more of the the real deep detailed application needs. So, you know, it can be anything from from you know tracking luxury goods to to transferring ownership of property. It can be, you know, you could be doing insurance transactions. You could be doing remittance between different banks. You could do, uh, you could build your own stock exchange on the thing. It's pretty flexible, and that's all enabled by something that we call the smart asset system, which is kind of a, you know it's a it's an API driven mechanism to customize how you use the blockchain, which is fairly powerful. What what would you say NEM is best at, and what would you say it's uh, not really suited for? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, again, to me, the the majority of really interesting blockchain applications come down to managing assets, and really, that's what NEM is designed for. Is is this is why again, we, the thing is built around this smart asset system, where you you go into the blockchain, you set up. Okay, here's what I care about. What I care about is the deed to the deeds to a house, or what I care about is tracking a package. And you can structure and create and customize these assets to sort of, you know, represent your business structure and then use the NEM blockchain to, to kind of securely record all those transactions. Um, you know, once you get into really sort of more exotic uses of blockchain where you're really, you're not dealing with assets, you're just kind of using a, you know, a roughly decentralized infrastructure to do kind of weird stuff. It becomes a little bit more outside of NEM's main focus. I mean, we still have people doing some pretty interesting stuff, but they're kind of building their own systems off the chain and then using the chain to kind of do uh, do the, the 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 end recording sort of stuff. I mean, kind of like what people do with Bitcoin, but we've got a lot more tools right. with them to do that sort of thing. So what, what are some of the most interesting applications you've seen being developed or are the most mature ones so far that use them? Um, yeah, there's, so there's a really interesting one called uh, LuxTag. Um, LuxTag is, it, it's, it's in this luxury goods asset tracking sort of thing. And the, the idea here is if you if you have you know whatever it is you've got a you know expensive watch or you've got a, a piece of artwork or you know something like this where you need to be able to essentially prove the provenance and the ownership of that of that object um, what you can do is you can you can register that object on the NEM blockchain as as a smart asset um, and then with the our um, on blockchain multisig rules you can transact that so you could say okay I'm transferring ownership of this painting from myself to this other person, they've got their account and their keys on the blockchain. They can receive ownership of that, 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 uh, that object. And that object then can have, um, have sort of attributes added onto it. You can kind of think of its address on the blockchain as like a container. 
um, and we have these these uh, fixed assets called mosaics, which um, you know a mosaic could represent a signature. It could represent an authentication from a third party that sort of specializes in art authentication. Um, it could be, you know, almost anything. You can create those mosaics. You can give them names on the blockchain, and then you can transact those. So, you know, let's say, I, you know, an artist creates a painting. He registers on the blockchain. He then sells it to someone else. Okay, ownership moves over to them. And now, let's say that there's a uh, there's a sort of a, a clearinghouse for authentication. They come in and say, yep. You know, we have verified that this is, in fact, the, 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 the painting that, we, that says it is, and they can give their verification and actually transfer that on the blockchain into, into that asset. And they're, they're, from thereafter, if it's passing person to person, that authentication goes with it. So it, I kind of like that one because it gives you a pretty good idea of the stuff you can, can do with uh, the system, and, and it's actually out there and deployed right now. Yeah, and well, it's, it seems like NEM has been out there for a while, but you guys have been relatively quiet about what's going on. When in mm-hmm. turn, other companies seem to be, uh, you know, the first, second, anything's working, they're out there shouting about it. Why is that? What, it seems like the NEM culture is, like, careful and considered and slow and, you know, nothing, not in a, in a rush to, like, uh, overpromise. No, that, that's exactly right. I mean, in some ways, we're sort of a product of, of the blockchain world before the, before the ICO, you know, the ICO environment that, that's come about it. I mean, it was it was approached very much from a technology point of view. We got a, there was a number of, of really smart devs who got these are high power developers around the world who got together and said, hey, you know, maybe there's a better way of doing this, and they started working on it. And then and the first thing they did is, you know, hey, let's just write something from scratch that does something really cool. They weren't really trying to say, hey, let's go after this market. Let's you know do the minimum we need before we launch and get a bunch of funding. They were just doing this because they they thought it was really interesting and they thought it's something that would you know benefit people. You know the NEM NEM stands for New Economy Movement, and that's kind of the vision. It's sort of you know hey, this is you know the 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 thing that Bitcoin proved out and some of these other it proved that there's a a need for this in the world, and they really wanted to to create a a, a very uniquely designed instance for it. So yeah, we've kind of been stealth mode for a very long time. It's been very technology focused. We've been working behind the kind of, you know, working with developers. We've got a, a big enthusiast community. If you go on our various Telegram rooms, we've got, you know, hundreds and thousands of people in different places that are that are really excited at kind of a grassroots level. But we've really never done any, you know, active marketing or anything. Um, I'd say that's just starting now. We're kind of forming the foundation up. And that's really the mission of our foundation is to say, okay, we need to, we realize that technology is in everything and we need to bridge from that technology out to the market to blame the technology, to build the developer community, to support industry, uh, support academia and, uh, and get the word out. And it's, I, I think we're, we're just at a good time to, to do that. Okay. Where, where are your customers coming from? It seems like you guys are more in, in Asia and now you're moving globally, but you know, where do you seem to get most of your use from right now and where is it moving to? Yeah, I mean, there is kind of a, a the center of mass is a little bit more in Asia just for sort of historical reasons. Um, there wasn't anything particular about that. A lot of people have the impression that NEM was created by some guy in Japan, um, but it's, it's really kind of a global development community behind it. But, um, you know, one of the really early and important companies that was that was working with the technology and supporting it was a, a company in Japan called Tech Bureau. Um, and so they've kind of that they've sort of created a center of mass for NEM in Japan uh, by the, the work they've done. So, you know, this ICO platform they've deployed, they've, they've run an, uh, an exchange in Japan called Zeif, um, which carries NEM and a bunch of other currencies. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, we're, we're making a fairly aggressive push out into the rest of the world, um, North America, Europe, um, other places as well. Um, cause it's, so it wasn't created by Satoshi Nemamoto? 
Right. No, 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 no that's a bad joke. <laughs> um, so what, what's, um, you said action is, you know, people are going to be seeing action and you guys are coming out of stealth mode. So what's on the roadmap for the next six months to a year? What major stuff are you, that you can say is coming? Yeah, we've got to, I mean, we, we do try to be a little bit careful about that because we don't like tipping our hands to everybody, but we do have a lot of exciting stuff coming. Um, you know, we've, I guess, just this, in the last few weeks, we've, we've had a couple of big announcements that people may or may not be aware of. Um, we've announced a, a blockchain center in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, which is going to be sort of fostering a development community there, and that's going to be a, a really useful resource. Um, we also announced the development of our own um, our own cryptocurrency exchange. Um, that's going to take. It's going to be kind of going on this year. So towards the end of this year, there's going to be an actual NEM exchange, which will be really useful for people who want to launch. Uh, ICOs on them. We've got the the technological tools to do that already in place, and you can. And we've had a couple of ICOs, um, but this exchange is going to allow anyone to sort of have a prioritized platform to say, "Hey, I want to launch this token that I've built," and they can, and we can sort of give them priority support to place that on exchange and uh, and give people a platform where they can buy into that token. Um, so that's going oh. on. Um, by the end of this month, I think we're saying now that we're going to have a brand new website up. Um, we've had a website up for quite some time, but it's a little on the stale side. So we've been kind of behind the scenes working on a refresh version, which is going to have a lot better documentation, a lot better uh, kind of focused explanation of how NEM works for different uh, for developers, enterprise customers, uh, investors. So that's going to be going up, as I said, by the end of the month. Um, and I guess the other thing that a lot of people are excited about that they're aware of is uh, that we've got a new platform called Catapult that's going to be coming out. Uh, in the near future, people want to know exactly when that's going to be. Um, you know, as I said, we're very development driven, so it's, it's, you know, right. it, it'll we'll release it when it's ready. <laughs> um, but it, it is getting fairly close. Um, and Catapult is, it's, it's basically a complete core rewrite of the NEM software from the ground up in C++. So um, it's going to give us a really nice platform to, uh, to increase performance, to start offering even more features than we've got today. Um, you know, the, the platform we've got right now is working really well. The developers said, hey, you know, let's take the time to go back and, and, uh, and uh, lay the groundwork for being able to go even further with it. So um, that's not going to require a hard fork or everything. It's just going to kind of roll in uh, behind the scenes to our nodes because everything is, is going to be compatible. But that should be coming out in the fairly near future. Nice. What, um, have there been ICOs that have launched on the NEM platform? Or if not, which ones are, are coming, if you can say, again? Uh, ICOs that are coming in the platform. Um, I mean, the, yeah. I guess the big one I mentioned. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, give away other people's news. I mean, we'll, you know, we talk to companies that want to do this, but I mean, it's, it's kind of up to them to announce. Um, I think the big one that we know is coming is, like I mentioned, that company Tech Bureau that's been working with us. They're going to be doing an ICO for uh, the ICO platform they're building. So <laughs> they're going to be kind of using their own platform to launch themselves. Um, and yeah. they, they just announced that yesterday. Um, uh, that's called Comsa, C O M S A. Um, so that's going to be a really big and exciting one. It's going to be coming pretty soon. Okay. Any, um, would you, what blockchains or initiatives do you think may be the biggest competitors to them? Or which ones do you think that, uh, you know, for people to keep their eye on in addition to yours? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, in some ways we, we hit so many application directions that I could, I could list the laundry list of blockchains that we kind of feel like, hey, we could do that too. We could do that too. Um, you know, certainly I feel like if, if you're a developer that's looking at Ethereum really closely, and I mean, Ethereum is, is definitely a very cool platform. They were one of the early ones that were really thinking about using blockchain for stuff outside of cryptocurrency. 
um, and they kind of have their their smart contract way of going about things. Um, the NEM methodology of going about building this functionality is, is pretty different from smart contracts. It's more of this, we've got the, a very easy sort of um, platform or programming language agnostic API to interface to the blockchain rather than actually writing code on the blockchain like you would a smart contract. Um, but certainly if you're looking at Ethereum, I think, you know, I think those developers would find NEMS features really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Can you give a quick rundown of a few features of your blockchain? You said it proof of importance, which is a proof of stake, you know, mm -hmm. plus extra. Yep. What about uh, yep. time for blocks, uh, you know, type of mining? I mean, sorry, the type of, um, you know, how nodes are run, et cetera. You know, some of the, the nitty gritty details of it. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, you know, the node network itself, yeah, it kind of runs on, uh, we've got a, we've got a, a server platform that runs the nodes. And again, anyone can bring that online. Um, and, and consensus is handled between those nodes with, uh, with proof of importance and, and kind of this, um, you know, we've got a, well, I don't want to go into, into too many of the, the bloody details of the whole thing, but um, it's, you know, we run a block about every 60 seconds or so. We actually have kind of a network time synchronization method, which is pretty cool. If you want to read the white paper and really get into it, it's, it's, it's kind of a neat feature. It basically allows us to, it kind of a side effect of it is it means we can timestamp anything that goes to the network, which is kind of nice for like document notarization, stuff like that. Um, I think maybe the, the one of the more unique things about what we've got is is this smart asset system. Um, and again, it's this is a feature of the blockchain itself. You know, basically, if you're a developer, um, you can access existing nodes that are out there. Or if you're an enterprise and you want to build your own blockchain privately, you can provision uh, a private version of the NEM blockchain uh, for you know for use inside your network if you want to run higher speeds and and have uh, you know ultimate privacy and that kind of stuff. But either way. Those blockchains are operated through this API that I mentioned, where you can kind of access it through any programming language. And through that API, you can configure the assets. You can configure these sort of container addresses. You can configure mosaics, which can represent, you know, crypto coins and tokens and all, and you know, signatures or you know, whatever you like. Um, and, and again, that's all sort of built into the, the the node software itself that runs on the network, which is is pretty uh, unique. Um, as well, multi-sig, which multi-sig is, is sort of a, it's a buzzword that's being applied to a lot of different blockchains now, usually kind of as an additional layer. Um, multi-sig is built into NEM from the beginning, which is pretty nice. Again, you can access multi-sig connections between addresses through this API directly on the blockchain. Hmm. In the world of uh, digitization of assets, what do you think will be the most exciting uh, use cases there? Will, will it be real estate on the blockchain, real estate transactions, or you know, uh, expensive pieces of art. What What do you think would be the most exciting thing in that arena? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say. I mean, it's it's early days for everything. You probably hear this from everybody. Um, I mean, it's tough to say because you know the thing about the interesting thing about blockchain to me is that it's kind of the I, I think of it as the second wave of the internet. That you know the first wave was really communication. It was, and it's it's revolutionized the way we communicate. And, you know, the World Wide Web is the primary one, but there's a lot of other things that are obviously going on with communication, but you know, people talking to each other is only, that's one thing that people do with each other. There's this huge array of, of things people do, transactions that they conduct, business that people do, trading things, um, you know, it, you know, basically any, all that stuff is just waiting to be digitized in a more streamlined way. You know, obviously a lot of this stuff is on the internet right now, but it's kind of implemented, you know, on servers somewhere with kind of large databases and it's in kind of, you know, like what I consider a fairly, inelegant way. Blockchain is really well set up to 
kind of directly put that stuff in the hands of everybody. So, and it's, it's so hard to say what's going to be the most important one. Uh, I mean, I think if you'd asked the creators of the World Wide Web, you know, what they thought the, the main use of it was going to be back in the early 90s, you know, they, they would have never been able to predict that we were going to be, you know, buying toilet paper and watching cat videos with it, you know, 15 years <laughs> later. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I heard creating blockchains. Interesting. So uh, just last couple of questions. This is a more general question, but, you know, and seeing the, the lay of the land now with all these ICOs and all these tokens and blockchains mm-hmm. and use cases, where do you think everyone's headed in the next six months to two years? What do you think will be some uh, interesting things that will be coming out of this uh, ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're right now in the, in the middle of the big, the, the, the ICO tidal wave, um, where, the, you know, people are realizing this is a, a new way of providing funding. And, and there's a pretty broad range of, of what people are doing with these things. I mean, sometimes you've got tokens that are, you know, have a real primary value in the business model they're putting together. And sometimes it's just sort of, it's, it's more or less just Kickstarter on the blockchain. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's, we're clearly right in the middle of, in the middle of the, uh, the, the inrush of doing this. And so we've got some interesting platforms out there that are focusing on that. And, you know, we're going to try to capitalize on that as well. Um, I guess my opinion, you know, having, you know, gone to some conferences and, and talking industry, there is an enormous amount of, of activity in large enterprise looking at blockchain, which you know, I'm sure your listeners is, are kind of aware of. Um, I think the, you know, I think we're going to, it's funny, there's a lot of activity, but there's really not a lot of deployment right now. Um, and so I think the, the next big wave is going to be once those enterprise sort of gets over the, the familiarity hump and the development hump and these kinds of things. Um, I think there's going to be another tidal wave of enterprise kind of, you know, transforming the way business is done. You know, bank to bank remittance is going to, you know, we don't need, we don't need sort of big escrow clearing houses in the middle. This can be made much more streamlined. Uh, you know, insurance claim tracking is going to be much more streamlined. Um, you know, there's no reason why stock exchanges can't, uh, can't make things much more straightforward. You know, traditional businesses being remade by the technology. I think you're going to, I think that's probably going to be the next big thing. Uh, and then, you know, beyond there, I think people are going to start coming up with ideas that we can't imagine right now for making new businesses out of the technology. So, I mean, you know, we're, again, I think NEMS plan, it's kind of funny, we're we're going about things a little bit differently rather than kind of focusing on, you know, our coin price and, and kind of marketing ourselves up front. We're kind of laying the groundwork so that as these waves of blockchain deployment come out, you know, we're hoping to be right on the leading edge of each one of them as they go um, because of the way we've designed things. It makes sense. You're busy working and improving instead of uh, out there, you know, uh, yeah, I guess out there just, you know, worrying about the price of the coin, like you said. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. All right, so how can folks um, learn more about the NEM Foundation and get engaged and, uh, you know, check out everything that you guys have to offer? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, anybody that's interested should connect with us. We've got a bunch of different ways of going about that. I mean, our, our main website is at nem.io. Um, you can look through some stuff there already. We've got developer documentation. We've got, uh, you know, we've got the uh, Nano Wallet, which is the NEM official wallet. You can download and you can run that on your computer. Um, you can load them into it. You can even play with some of the, the smart asset features I was talking about. You can make a mosaic. You can make a namespace directly from that wallet. So that's a really good place to start playing around with NEM and understanding what it can do. Uh, and that website, as I mentioned, is going to get a lot better at the end of the month as well. So, you know, check back in September. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, um, you know, follow NEM official. We try to keep things up there. Um, NEMflash.io is a really good place to 
uh, kind of see what's going on in the broad NEM ecosystem. We kind of, you know, there's a lot of people making videos on YouTube and, and uh, posting how-tos and all kinds of interesting that's out there. So that's a good place to go as well. And, uh, you know, we're going to be building out a, a developer program here in the near future. So, um, you know, stay tuned for that. But if you're a, if you're a blockchain developer or just a, a coder that wants to get into blockchain, we're going to want to talk to you real soon here. So, um, yeah, keep, keep an eye on the website. Okay. Well, that's great, Matthew. I really appreciate you coming. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good talking to you. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 